Welcome back, everybody. This is Stacking Pennies. Big show this week. We are joined not only by a guest, he's going to be a co-host for the show, Mr. Kyle Petty, ladies and gentlemen. Excited to talk to him, break down all things Michigan. And the closer, y'all thought he was done. He's getting started. Kevin Harvick punches his playoff ticket, ladies and gentlemen. Love to see it. Pit Road Boats and Woes, Denny Hamlin's 31st penalty of the year. Uh, they got to clean that up. They want to make a deep playoff run. And we're going to break down a little bit of Richmond as well as some spare change coming to y'all this weekend. Stay tuned. This is Stacking Pennies. Stacking them deep, selling them cheap. It tastes like gasoline, rubber, and victory. We're just out here stacking pennies. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am Corey the Joy, driver of the 7 Chevy Camaro, joined uh, by the usual band of characters, but we upgraded one, Chuck. We did. We did. How was your weekend? It was good. It was good. Watched some racing. You know, it's fun. So did I. Uh, front tire changer for Ryan Blaney, Ryan Flores. Did some racing. Watched a fight. Oh, yeah. we're going to talk about your Stafford experience as well. And then we... Uh, Is that the fight? Stafford? I oh, got, I a got in a wreck, fight. and the guys that I wrecked with were fighting each other. It was amazing. Oh, and obviously, the voice that you hear <laughs> sounds uh, way better and has way better racing stories than Merriman. Mr. Oh, Kyle no. Petty. No, joining thanks for having me, man. This is, so I'm taking Merriman's place? Yeah. Yes. yeah. Oh, yeah. my gosh, man. It's, man. A good th- it's a good thing. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if that's a step down, though, from Merriman. Man. He's, no. He's a piece. He's a piece of work. Is he, he still a um, piece of something? Is he he's still a, a Chase Elliott guy? <laughs> He's a piece. He's a big Rusty Wallace. Big, <laughs> yeah. big Rusty yeah. Wallace. Yeah. Which that, that explains everything right there. You know what I mean? Yeah. Anybody says, oh, I'll put flat two car Rusty Wallace. No. Uh-huh. Sorry. Yeah. Conversation over. Let's move on. Yeah. we Merriman's a, a, just a, the biggest Rusty Wallace fan. <laughs> I mean, no, that's actually worth giving him shit. It's Rusty Wallace. Oh, okay. That's good. Then. See, now he's back on my side again. <laughs> Uh, well, um, thanks for joining the show, buddy. Yep. I was on you with uh, Motor Mouse on NBC. Yes, other, you were. Did a great job. Other, great pr- job. Appreciate that. Having some fun breaking into that world. But you, sir, are the celebrity here because you are on a <laughs> world book tour. Book tour. You said you were popping in Barnes I, and so, Noble's so Books a Million. Books a Million, Barnes and Noble. Uh, in the um, where, where are we at? Huntersville, Davidson, Charlotte, Pineville. So I, I walk in. I find the put book that looks like me on the cover, mm. okay? And uh, then I autograph it, and I put it back on the shelf, and I leave, and I don't tell anybody. I've been waiting for an employee to bust me uh, and say, whoa, 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 what are you doing writing in that book? So that hadn't happened yet. So I've, I've gone to like five or six so far. Can you just give people some hints? So if they wanted to go to a store in yep, that uh, area? There's the one in uh, Matthews, uh, which is at the Arboretum. Arboretum. One at the Arboretum. Uh, there's one in... Um, man, what's that place up there? Exit 28. Is that, is that day, Huntersville? Burkdale. Yeah, Burkdale. Yeah. Burkdale. See? Yeah, I'm not cool, of, man. I don't know that. There's nobles up there. Yeah, there's, so oh, there's man, I'm going to go find that. Yeah. Yeah. kids I'm, there. As soon as there, we leave here today, I'm going Gastonia, to I went to Books a Million. Um, so that was pretty cool. I went to the uh, Park Road Books, which yeah. is an independent bookstore. Yeah. yeah. They were already signed. Somebody beat me there. Oh. Somebody, I don't know what the deal was. Somebody signed the name on yours? Well, I signed like 5,000 of them like uh, forever ago and, and sent them back. And I walk in uh, to Park Road and they're like an autograph. So I'm like, why do I even stop by here? I will plug Park Road Books because That's I, grew, a great I, I grew up with uh, the owners. Oh, they no way. Down the street from us. So let me tell you. So um, we're rabbit hole. So <laughs> I love it. Um, Fry Gilliard. Um, yeah. was was a writer from here. He's a, he's a professor at the University of Mississippi now. 
uh, and he's a writer in residence. Uh, he wrote a book about Felix and I back in 92, and I signed autographs and did a, Fry and I did a, an autograph session at Park Road yeah. Book in 92, 30 years ago. 30 years ago, I was sitting at that place signing autographs. Well, on the back cover here, you got some pretty well-known names. I had to pay those people. Did you? A no, couple, no, no, couple no, bucks. Kidding. Now, the one, I'm, <laughs> hey, the one I'm interested here is from the Nature Boy, Rick oh, Flair. Oh, yes. Ooh. For Ooh. a guy that could be a prick because of who he is, he's just the greatest, <laughs> most down-to-earth person I've ever met, just like his dad. You got to read Kyle's book. You got to. You heard it there, folks. That's right. Rick, Nature Boy, Flair. Signed off on Swerve or Die. Where'd yeah. Swerve or Die come from? So Swerve or Die, yeah, if you read the book, um, there's – so, you know, I, obviously I grew up in a racing family, uh, just like you. Um, and, you know, I think people think – and I'm sure you get this. People think you grow up in a racing family, you just one day say, I want to race, and your dad gives you a race car and says, see you later, bud. You're, right. you're going to be the superstar. Right. right. And that's not the way it is. Yeah, You know what I mean? I'm sure it's not – I know it's not the way it was with you. It's not the way it was with me. My dad said, you got to work in the body shop. You got to work in the engine shop for a year. You got to be a mechanic. You got to be a fabricator. You had to work in each place for about a year. Um, man, I coughed up petty blue blue paint, paint and bondos for like, I go play basketball and hark up a blue loogie, you know what I mean? <laughs> petty blue loogie on the court. So, but um, when I was 14, uh, my uncle was killed at Talladega uh, in a pit road accident. I've seen, I grew up at a time when you used to go to the racetrack um, like your kids, you, but you used to go to the racetrack and you'd be playing with a bunch of kids and their mom would come and get them and you'd never see those kids again because their dad had been killed oh, or wow. something tragic had happened. Um, and it's just, a, and you don't, yeah. you don't realize it at the time when you're seven or eight, but you realize it when you're 12 or 13. And then when Randy got killed on pit road, that was a big deal. And then Adam and, and there's other things in there, but there's funny stories too. But the swerve or die came from, but as we talked about, we wanted a, a title that would just make people go, wow, man, I got I to read this. Yeah. Know, what, what is that? But it's basically just like all race car drivers' lives. Um, you, you head down a highway, and all of a sudden there's a roadblock, and you swerve. You don't just stop and die at that moment. You right. don't just stop and say, I'm never going to be a race car driver. I'm never going to do this. I got I got to go in a different direction. I got to find a different path in life. I got to do something different. So that's kind of what that part's about. The last chapter is about NASCAR, um, you know, what, what society is right now with inclusion, diversity, and how they've embraced it, the new car. So many things that the sport over a 70-plus year period has been able to change for whatever society needed it to be, whatever corporate America wanted it to be, and whatever we perceived it to be, it's been able to swerve and continue to live uh, and continue to move forward. From the, and and you look at the sport in its totality. You know what I mean? And and yeah. and the, the the sport itself. And it just continues to be whatever it needs to be during that period of time to be successful. What's the time frame of which you obviously it's from the time you were a kid. Yeah. To right now. But to right now. From the time yeah. you put a pen to paper oh, or God. the first key strike. Um, I don't know. When was when the pandemic started? Probably about a month March or two after. Yeah, probably about a month or so after the pandemic. So you're like, I'm sitting here at home. You yeah, know what? I got nothing. I'm going to write a book. Yeah. yeah. Well, here, here's the thing. Okay. So I play music. Um, I play guitar. Um, and you can catch me in some bars every now and then. You know, they, they give beer money. Uh, that's about all I make off of it. But it's fun. Yeah. You know, it's fun. So I get up every morning at 530. And I play guitar and I write music because I got kids. You know, I mean, that's the only time you have to be by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and one day I decided, you know what? I'm going to write some stuff down. I'm going to write some stuff down. Like when I hauled that beer out of 
out of Texas, or in, like when I flew that Concorde around the world, did crazy stuff. So I started writing it, and I showed it to my wife, Morgan, and she said, that's pretty cool, um, but you don't know how to spell, and you there's no punctuation in this whole page. You know what I mean? Because that's yeah, the way I right. write. <laughs> right, it's, just, it's just one run-on sentence that's like a mile long. So I got with Ellis, uh, and, and he kind of started to put it together, and I'd send him stuff, and he'd send me stuff, and I didn't go anywhere. Because Morgan was pregnant with our second child with Cotton. So we didn't leave the house because no one knew what COVID did with, with pregnant women um, and what how it would affect them. So um, it was just a process. So it, was, it took a couple of years. Honestly, it took a good year and a half to get it all put down and then get it in order and get it in a, in a form where you could say, okay, it's kind of a book, you know, more so than a propaganda pamphlet. What's, you know? what's having your dad read a book that you wrote? <laughs> so here's what my dad said. So he read the first two chapters and he said, wish you'd let me read this first. There's so many mistakes in it. <laughs> and, and I'm like, that's my dad. Yeah. You, you know what I mean? I, I mean, but that's his dad. I, I remember coming home from Dover when 75, 76, right along in there. And I was on my dad's pit crew and my granddad met us out there and he, he looked straight at my dad and he said, what happened? And my dad said, what do you mean? What happened? And he said, what happened? What happened up there? And, and my dad said, we won. And Dale was standing there, Emman, and Emman says, we won by six laps. <laughs> they won the race by like six or seven laps. And my granddad said, could have won by eight. Could have won by eight, should have. Yeah. And he walked back in the house. <laughs> End of the conversation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because you didn't do enough. You know, it wasn't enough, but it was pretty cool. He, re he read it, um, and he was like, yeah, that's pretty much spot on. Most of that stuff's spot on. So let me let me – Reel it back in, and, and everybody go pick up Swerve or Die. If you go to the Books a Million in Burkdale or Barnes & Noble in Burkdale, yep. there's a good chance you can find a personalized version of yes. Swerve or Die from Kyle Petty himself. But, um, and I'm sure you've answered this question tirelessly, but, you know, there is a interesting dynamic of when you're – and yours is probably the most interesting because your dad is the king, right? There's like two-time Bush Series champion Randy LaJoy is a dad – there is Dave Blaney as a dad. There's 14-time most most popular driver Bill Elliott as a dad. But then there is Richard Petty. <laughs> so, how was it just as when you were an active competitor, just always being compared to by whether it be people in the industry or fans? And yes. and I'm I'm going the direction of this. Stacking pennies comes from finding those small victories you can quantify that somebody else might not yeah. notice to keep yourself motivated That's every right. week, right? Because this thing will kick you in the dick each and every week more often For than sure. not. So you have to figure out ways to keep yourself motivated. Yep. And you made a hell of a career of it, continue to, yeah. with the odds probably stacked more against you than they were for you. I'll say this. I never really paid attention to that he was Richard Petty. Okay. I always referred to him as yeah. the king. Yeah. Oh, I, yeah. As the king. I just grew up. Once I started working at the shop at 12 years old, I referred to my father as the king for the rest of my life. Until I got married to Morgan and she said, you will not refer to your dad as the king. You will call him dad. I just, because that's what the guys at the shop were called him. Yeah. And I wanted to be the guy at the shop. I wanted to be a fabricator, man. I, I loved, I love fabricating. I love welding. I, I go to the, I go to the old shop every now and then, you know, once every couple of months and just sat at a welding table and weld just so that I can never know when it's going to come in handy again. Yeah, <laughs> you know what right. I mean? I could have used you. I'm building a street stock yeah, for Wilkesboro. There, I there just you got go, man. Could have, so, should have called you so, up. Yeah. So listen, I, they taught me how to weld when I was 12 because Chrysler had a kit car program. And basically, they needed someone to weld the roll bars up inside the car. And 
the adults wouldn't get in the car and get burnt. And I was willing mm. to get in and lay there in that leather jacket and oh. all that stuff. I, I've said this before. If you, if you, Corey, had could have my grandfather sit here and my father sat here and me sat there and Adam sat over there. And you ask each one of us the same question. And each one of us the same question again. And each one, you would, if after four or five questions, you would say, these guys don't even know each other. These guys, their personalities are different. They're different people. Um, they're, they're just totally different. So when I went into it, I didn't try to be, I wanted, I always wanted to be like Richard Petty, but I never wanted to be Richard Petty, you know, and there's a difference. You know what I mean? Mm. Listen, I'm sure you are the same. You, you watched your dad race. You watched him work his guts out, mm -hmm. you know, for everything that he got. And, you know, whether, whether he was running fifth, whether he was running 50th or whether he was five laps ahead, you were just as proud of him. Yeah. E everything he did. Yeah. You know, and, and every time you talk about stacking pennies, every time you come away from that race, if you learn something and you take something, there's a positive in everything. There's a positive, you know, you can be 20 laps down. There's a positive. You look, it's like, dang, man, right before I knocked the crap out of that wall, I found something. Yeah. I found something, you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, I found right. something, dude. And, and, and it, that's the way it is. And, and that's what you have to do. And I, I had the advantage and, and I will say, and, and I, I told this to somebody the other day, I had the advantage going in that he had won seven championships and 200 races. Okay. So I stood there and looked around the garage area, and I wasn't the only one that hadn't won seven championships in yeah. 200 races. Yeah. You know what I mean? There are a lot of people that came before me and a lot of people that are going to come behind me yeah. that are never going to do that. So I, I never looked at it that way. You know what I mean? And, and it's the same old thing, man. It's the only dad you've got. It's the only guy you've got to compare it to. Um, he was just the king. That's all he is. Let's, let's shift gears, shall we, Chuck? <clears throat> Interesting. Factoid of the weekend, KP's um, take on everything is about as straightforward as you can get, and he tells it like it is. I fired it off in the group chat. Scott Dixon and Kevin Harvick both won their first race in 2001. Wow. Those guys both, Scott Dixon in Nashville, Kevin Harvick in Michigan this weekend, over 20 years from their initial win as a rookie – to their current win, the span of 20 years. I wanted to hear from you how impressive that is to sustain that level of greatness. Yeah. And in, in this day and time, it's incredible. It, it, it truly is. To stay relevant in this sport for 20 years. You know, to stay because because we see, you know, I, I can go back to, to my dad and Pearson and Kale and all those guys, um, and they were kicking butt and taking names in 64. And they were still doing it in 84 and they were still doing it in 89. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, they, they really were, they were, a lot of those guys were still winning races 20 and 30 years later, but at the same time, they were 52 and 53 years old, mm -hmm. you know, they, cause that's where you drove. They didn't start until later. So they drove later in, in the life. And now you've got guys that they're going to retire in their early forties. They're going to, they're going to walk away. We heard the, the Martin Truex talk. We've seen other drivers. You're going to have to walk away and you're going to walk away because somewhere when you turn 37, there's a 13 year old that's got your name mm -hmm. that you're in his sights. Cause he's going to be 16 and he's going to take your ride. Sorry. That's just the nature of, of the sport we live in right now. But when you look at a guy, Mark Martin will always stand as a God. Okay. For a guy who 
any age, anywhere, anytime, any place could jump in a cup car and kick your butt six ways from Sunday. Oh, yeah. and, and he was the guy. You know what I mean? Never won a championship, and I don't give a rat's ass whether he ever did win it. Does win, you know, would win a championship. He is one of the greatest race car drivers to ever sit in a car. You look at that and you think, how do they keep that level of focus, that level of intensity, that physical ability? It's like they plateau, but they don't go down. Mm -hmm. And a lot of drivers, listen, I went like this and then fell off the backside. Most drivers do. You know, they, they hit a peak and then they come down. Is that when courage starts to taper a bit like what do you think that is so here's what i think uh, and that's that's i think and and you know this because driving a race car now and and drivers understand this is and i look at golfers and, and i compare some things to to golf to a putt there's a feel to a putt you look at it you see how it breaks and there's a feel in your hands when you putt when you drive a race car there's a feel. Yeah. There's a feel that you're looking for. And only you know what that feel is. Yeah. And your job is to translate how that feels to that guy so he can give you that feel. Yeah. There's a point in a driver's career where they l get confused or they lose that feel and they don't know where it's at. And then they start searching and they run three links and they run stupid front end settings and they do all this stuff and they're looking for it. But where's it at? I know it's out there somewhere. I got to find it. And you see their career do this because they've got away from their basics. Um, what fascinates me about Kevin is that Kevin's been able to do it in three or four different generations of cars, you know, at, with different tires, with different crew chiefs, with different so many, so many different things. So that I think that's what I, I don't think it's a courage thing. And, and I really don't. Because, listen, I, I, I did a deal with David Pearson one time. That's my all-time favorite, by the oh, way. Oh, he's he was a god, man. So I did an interview with him, and um, probably about four or five years before he passed away. And I said, "Let me ask you a question, David." I said, "We go to Darlington." I said, "It's it's Tony, it's you know, it's Jimmy, it's Jeff, it's all these guys, and they're all the same age. They're all thirty-two years old. You're thirty-two years old." And I said, "Do you think you could run with him?" And he never skipped a beat. He said, could I run with him? It's not the question. Could they run with me? Yes. <laughs> That's the question. Yes. You know what I mean? And he's like, and then he looked straight at me. He said, I could beat him for five laps today. Today. <laughs> I could beat him for five laps. And I'm like, you are the man. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And, and he was, and you look in his eyes. And you and believe you, it. You, you yeah. believe it. Hell he, yeah. he had me believe it. Because he believed it. He yeah. believed it. And And they are so, those guys were so mentally tough and so mentally focused because listen, i bet if they put him in a 1971 plymouth mercury, mercury yeah, he would yeah, smoke yeah. their ass he would smoke he would for sure smoke one bias plies with that old mercury yes. man but it was crazy but but that's an that's an attitude and and that's not courage mm -hmm. that's confidence yeah that's right you mean that that's not he he is so confident in, in who he is and i think that's what kevin has that's what mark has it that's the it's not it's not that you lose that. You lose that confidence a little bit. That can I do this? Will I make it over that hump? It's go ahead, Chuck. No, I think I think there's a great question to ask you that Corey asked Danny last week because you you know like there's not many people left in the sport that know the guys today yeah. and that also had a personal relationship with David Pearson yeah. and raced mm -hmm. through that whole deal. When did you see a tangible shift in the way that guys race each other? Has it been gradual from going to the track as a kid watching your dad to 
how do we get from there to a place like Indy last week where everybody just piles in the corner? And or, how was that? How, or, or, and, and, or the, the 15 car stays out, tries to get a little track yeah. position, gets run all over. Yeah. Right. Because nobody's really showing the guy respect. Now, That's this, right. You're my man. Right there. There you go. You can lift. I've heard stuff. 16 guys say he shouldn't have been up there. Yes, he should. Okay? He's got every right to stay you, up there, you, too. You shouldn't have run over him. Yeah. You right. shouldn't have put the bumper to him and got him sideways. You, It's it's everybody else. It's the haves running over the have-nots, mm-hmm. in, in all honesty. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's those guys saying, I don't respect your ability. I don't respect your equipment. You don't need to be out here on the racetrack, so we're going to show you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they all got torn up and good for it. You know what I mean? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's the way I look at it because they brought that on themselves. But here's what happened. You had Pearson and... Bobby and Donnie and Kale and Leroy and my dad and all these guys, okay? And there were seven or eight of them, seven or eight of them. That's all you had. And there were only six or seven good cars. And then you had another group of of Buddy Arrington and John Sears and Cecil Gordon and Raymond Williams. There were a lot of them. They were the next guys. Now, these guys could run seventh or eighth because these guys are going to break and fall out. You know what I mean? Because the stuff broke then. Mm. I don't know if people yeah. remember when cars actually <laughs> yeah. broke. But stuff broke. So these guys, all they had to do was run all day. And they may be 15 laps down, but they're going to have a sixth-place finish. You know what I mean? When you start, when you look at that stuff. But these guys had a tremendous amount of respect for each other. Richard Petty knew Bobby Allison could drive the wheels off of a car. Bobby Allison knew David Pearson could. And the other thing was... You had the Wood Brothers and you had Pierce. You had these guys. They only had one car. They only had two cars at most. Yeah. You know, once we get into the 70s, you only had. So I don't want to be the guy that tears up the Wood Brothers car that crashes Pearson. So you just stayed away from each other. You don't see guys wrecking like you do. Do you think that as the, once we lost Dale at Daytona, mandatory head and neck restraints, full containment seats, do you think the trajectory of how safe the sport became? not losing anybody after Dale, knock on wood, Yep, co- coincided with the – because you didn't worry Partial. about backing somebody in the fence and yeah. potentially not seeing that guy walk yeah. out. So here's the thing. So then you, now, now if we jump forward that far, now you've got kids that learn to drive on video games to, to some degree. Mm-hmm. So they, they didn't – you know, I'm, I'm, I've spent as much time playing – Pac-Man or whatever this game, whatever. Yeah, I racing. I've spent as much time on I racing, you know what I mean, as I have in a car. So they've not backed it in the wall at Hickory. They've not been spun out and been punched through a window net at Hickory. You know what I mean? You want to talk about fight? They just, they just didn't. You know what I mean? And and so they're and then they watch and and the problem is that they hear boys have at it. They hear rubbing is racing. They hear. You know, if you got to win to make you the playoffs. Win. Yeah, that's it. They yeah. they hear all this stuff, and it's hammered into their head, and you can't bring it back out. Mm. It, you know what I mean? I watch you guys race, and there is a total lack of respect for equipment. Hell, they, they'll just run into you and never think twice about it. Oh, they're they're not expecting your equipment or my or their equipment because yeah. a they know they're not going to get hurt. B yes. they know these cars will bounce off of each other. Yep. You know what I mean? And C, they know the fans are going to love it. So I'm okay with it. You know what I mean? I'm, I'm okay with it. We watch, if you go back and watch racing and watch older, and watch your dad, watch your dad race. I mean, put a bumper to somebody and get him out, but then he'd let him catch it and then racing. Well, just don't watch him race Buckshot Jones, though. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah. But, but, but the point was, even, even Jack Ingram and those guys that your dad raced against, that we all raced against, 
they let they get you out of shape, but then they'd race you. Well, there's art. Just, there's art to moving somewhere. There is, too. and the, and that art is lost. Yeah, you know is I mean? any of it the garage police itself? So if you you got to answer to David Pierce and Richard Petty, or yeah. you got to answer to Dale Earnhardt. Hell, you got to answer to Terry right. Labonte or, yeah. or Ricky. Some, Rudd, they're gonna come talk right? to you. Is yes, that, that's different than answering to Will Byron and Alex Bowman or a tweet or a tweet or a tweet. <laughs> Correct. A tweet so t- let me. I, I say this all the time. How many times you think my dad got home and said, "I really need to call Kale and apologize." <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm gonna have to. Hey, Kale, man, I am so sorry. <laughs> let, me, let me spin this phone booth. Yeah, yeah I am bring, so bring. sorry. I got into you, man, but you know, I got the trophy in the money, bud. Yeah. You know, that, yeah. I mean, you don't that that's don't apologize, dude. You have one job when you go to the racetrack, and that's to absolutely put your foot on their throat and choke them, choke them, and it's not to go out to dinner with them. It's not to be friends with them. I'm sorry. You know what I mean? You're not I, wrong. I, and, and, and it's just not. I don't understand the mentality that, you, that some of the drivers have. And I'm not saying it's you, but I'm going to say some of the drivers. And hell, it may be you. But Hit me with it. <laughs> no. So I grew up this way. Okay. You didn't become friends with drivers because they might get killed. And then how are, how are you going to react? Can you drive just as hard when your mm. best friend yeah, does, doesn't drive anymore yeah. if you've lost him? So you don't become friends with him. Okay. You don't become friends with him. Because if you are friends with them, you'll let them live. You won't lap them. You'll ride up behind them. You won't race them the way you would race somebody else. And, and, and the thing is, is if I know that I'm playing in the good guys golf tournament on Tuesday and you're in my foursome, chances are I'm not going to force the issue. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I don't want to hear your crap all day long right. when we play we're golf. So, we're cart mates. Yeah, yeah, we're cart mates. I don't want to hear your crap all, right. way, all day long. You know what I mean? So there's, there's that line that that you know and the bus lot has done a lot i was gonna of that. ask yeah. you the, the bus lot has done a lot of that because it puts everybody yes. on top of each other well and your wives are hanging out and, yeah, and kiddos and are playing yeah. on the playground that's, that's right that's listen and it's the same old thing but it's just not hey can i can i ask you this yeah is it a bad thing the way people race right now no no it's not a bad thing okay no 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 it's not a bad so thing big hold, fan on, hold, on, Ross hold on hold on yeah it's it's not a, it's not it's it's just different. Yeah, I, I'm just saying it's yeah, different. Yeah. I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm I'm just saying this is where you you asked you started the question and when did some of this stuff change? Yeah, yeah. it started changing for a lot of different reasons. Yeah. You can't point at Dale Earnhardt and say Dale Earnhardt changed the sport. No, he didn't. A lot of other guys changed the sport too. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? He may have started some of it, but that's the way it is. What you got? Wait, well, when you talk about you have to have the mentality of go out there and you got to stand on our throat. Yeah, but at the same time you have to have the respect for their equipment. Yeah. Like, how do you find that balance? So, and how do these younger guys find that balance? So, so the thing is, and, and I will say this till the day I die, beating somebody and wrecking somebody are two totally different things. Okay? Just is. I love Joey Logano. Okay? Yeah. But he didn't even try to pass William Byron at Darlington. But. But. Didn't even try. But we'll buy him, run him in the fence. Yeah, run uh, him in the fence. Uh, see, this is where you guys are BS. So, no, let me. That, no, that, no, no, no. That's BS. No, Joey picked the top. He was the leader. He was a control car. He picked the top. It Listen, might be his you're mistake. out of the conversation because you his, worked for that team. It might you're be his out of the conversation. You're out of the conversation because you worked for that team. I get team. it, but if you pick the top you're there, right. you are trusting that the guy underneath you is going to race you clean off of two. Now, listen, you're not trusting. Okay? I, hey, That's that, that, I'm with you. That, my, my whole point is you have to be on guard at all times. Yeah. Okay? You have to, and it's your job to protect your car. Yeah. It's not my job to save right. your ass when you put yourself in a bad situation. Fair enough. Not my friggin' job, dude. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. It's, it's not. Don't I, I'm time. sorry. So, Joey put himself in a bad situation to get run in the wall in the first place, as far as I'm concerned. 
Now, that's an old school way of looking at it. Yeah. Okay. It's a, it's an old school way. You don't. So Jack Ingram had this thing. I'm here. You cut me off. I'm here. You cut me off. I'm here. You're in the wall. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's it. Three and done. Yep. You know what I mean? But you knew that. You knew that because that's the way he always always raced. So I look at this and I look at some things and y'all look at it totally different than I look at it. You know what I mean? And that, that's what I'm saying. You'll argue that side. And I understand that because that's the way y'all race today. But that's not the way they raced then. And that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. That's not the way. Joey, if Joey had one race car and he knew he had to run that thing next week, he wouldn't have stuffed it on the outside and got run in the wall. Good thing he's got eight more. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. It's a good thing they had one for every race and six spares when they yeah. used to build nine million cars. Yeah. And you and your team only had six. Right. You have to race totally different. Correct. Sorry, you just do. So if NASCAR come in and said, you get one short track car, you get one intermediate car, you get one speedway car, and you get one backup car just for everywhere. You know what I mean? I don't think that I don't hold on, think hold it'd on. be different. Hold on. I think it would be different. I think it would be different because who, you know who's going to make it be different? Your freaking owner is going to make it be different. Yeah. Your freaking owner is going to make it be different. But, because he's not going to spend that. He's not going to go down that road and spend that money. It's, but if you're Joey. But I don't want to go back there. I don't, yeah, that's not. Yeah. Believe me. I do not want to go back to that time. So last night on Fox, or they had the 86 Richmond race um, with Daryl and Earnhardt. And Earnhardt. Okay, when they wrecked each other. Yeah. When when Earnhardt wrecked Dale or Daryl. Okay. Yeah. They ran. You you like that one? Yeah. Shoot yeah. But my point is this: they ran sixty laps. They bumped. They grind. They did. Boom. Yeah. They raced. They raced. Race. Sixty friggin' laps. Sixty damn laps. When's the last time you saw a race for sixty laps between uh, two cars? Like, when's yeah. the last time? Yeah, you know what I'm saying? 60 freaking... I get, I get pissed off somebody <laughs> racing me for four. Four laps. Yeah. I know. They yeah. raced 60 laps. Yeah. And they right. gave each other room, and they would get out of shape, and they'd come back, and they'd do this stuff. But that's a race, man. And I'd, I'd go to Stafford and watch two cars run like that all night long. I don't care if there's anybody else on the racetrack. I yeah. go to, to Concord or Caraway or wherever you want to go and watch that kind of race. So the racing has changed, and this, this is swerve or die. I've changed. I, I understand why right. you race that way. Right. You know what I mean? And I can appreciate why Joey races that way and you race that way and Kyle Larson races that way. It doesn't mean I have to like it. It doesn't mean that I have to say that that's the way it should be, but that's the way it is. That's the way it is. And and I think that you can't go back and I don't want to go back. By God, I don't want you guys to go back and have to drive those cars we drove and and have to be hit the walls we hit and the things – but safety and having that concept that nothing can happen, that, right. that everything is going to be good. Yeah, you can stuff it in the fence yeah, and you're going to yeah, just shake it off. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, that's, um, that, that plays a, a little bit with your head, too. And, and I think, let me, let me re-rack it. Let me get all the balls back in the little frame right here. Because we are down as a sport to a position where the guy that's second in points yeah. has the potential to be outside looking in. Yeah. Because a win is that important. Right. So, and, and you change tires for him every week. So, has there been an instance where Ryan could have put himself in a better position to win if he used the bumper and not race somebody? Yeah, absolutely. You look at Indy, right? You could have shipped the eight car. Right. You just didn't get yep. to him. But, the, you know, there, you look back at a full season, a full scope, and you look at everything that you left on the table. Mm -hmm. But the, the fact of the matter is, and I hear a lot of people, well, will they change the sport? Will they do? No. no. This no. is how it is. It's you got to win man. to get in. It's, yeah. I hope.
that we win and three other guys win, yeah. and then we see see who's left better in points. points right like now. that, it's so competitive this year, and we've we've needed that. Like you said, yeah. even when you watch, you know, Dale and Daryl, they yeah. might have only been two of them. That's right. Now there's twenty two of them all racing each other, forty. Yeah. That's you know, right. does uh, it give you pause with the twelve and with Blaney, knowing that you've got Richmond, which is a track that he has said in the past that he doesn't like. You've got Watkins Glen, and then you've got Daytona. He, he should have won Daytona. Like he yeah. he had he didn't shouldn't have won Daytona. He had the move to win Daytona, and Austin plugged him in the fence. Daytona yep. five hundred. But Richmond, yes, hasn't been great there. He was okay in the spring, and that's where he got discovered. But we're you're in it. If you get in this deal, hoping for an easy ride at the cup level, it ain't gonna happen. Yeah, because this is what I like. I want to see this. I want to see like this is that time for Blaney to shine. Like if he's gonna be that next up and coming guy at Penske right now, go out there. Get well, the win. let me be the one to say, like, Penske is the third or fourth dog at the bowl in terms of competitiveness as of late. Yes. I don't foresee Agreed. the 12 being as strong as the 19, the 11, the 23, even the 45. The good thing for us is that the 19, when the Toyotas are 18. fast, is usually the fourth yeah. fourth or fifth fastest. So that's but, the good thing for us. But rich. you're also worried about a lot of other people. Yeah. Like the whole field, right? Yeah. The four car was on at like everybody forgot about Kevin yeah. Harvick. Yes. Which we were saying earlier in the season that, you know, oh, or you know, Kevin and Rodney, do they still have it? Like they haven't won since what fall of twenty twenty. Let me ask you this. Over the last two years, who's the who is has the most speed and is the best car at super speedways? The twelve. Who else? Noticeably. Who else? The twenty three. Oh yeah, twenty three. Yeah. I mean, and freaking you, good. Yeah, and like always, find a one Taldega. Even though it rained short, he put himself in position to win the race. So, and he, he I, was and he was he too hard on himself this week? Yes, I texted him after the race. I said, Bubba, you were a badass all weekend on the pole, good in practice. You've run second. Yeah, like rewind two months ago, you're popping champagne bottles. Run second. three champions. He's racing against. Yeah, let's go back to Atlanta and you. I hate to bring that up. That's okay. No, 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 because you ran a hell of a race all all freaking day long and put yourself in that position. But when you only put yourself in that position one out of 36 races, mm -hmm. you learn something. Yeah. So next time in that position. It'll be a different outcome. That's right. Bubba got beat because of experience. He got beat because of his inexperience of being in position to look at a win. Yeah. The more wins you get a chance to look at, the more times you're going to you're gonna bust through there and win. No doubt. And, and that's, that, is, that is the whole point. That's why Bubba shouldn't be hard on himself. He should look at that and say, I learned something. Yeah. I'm, I'm good. I'm golden now. You put me in that same position, I'm not going to do what I did with Kyle Larson. I'm not going to do what I did with Joey Logano. I learned something. And maybe he comes out the winner. Maybe he doesn't. But he does something different. Now, if we put Bubba in that position again and he does the same thing, shame on Bubba. Yeah, right. Because he didn't learn anything. Yeah. But but I think that's the whole point is he got beat by inexperience, not by not by speed, not by car. I mean, listen, saw Matt Kenseth outdrive Casey Kane. Casey Kane had a car that was a half second faster and Matt Kenseth won the race. And it's like, how did that happen? Chase Elliott up at Dover. Dover. Let just, the 18 roll by, right just, by. I mean, just got beat. Inexperience. Yep. That's all you can say. You didn't get outrun. You got beat yeah. by inexperience. Yep. And that's what happened to Bubba. And you need to put it in that category and move forward, not be hard on yourself. One of my favorite Jeff Gluck 12 questions is if somebody had an envelope 
and handed it to you, if there was a date written on it, whether it was your last race or your last win, would you open it and know when your last race and or win is? So my question is, if somebody handed Kevin Harvick that envelope, was Michigan his last win as a cup driver? 65 wins since 2020, since he won last time. But that still wasn't his career longest winless streak. Yeah, His longest career winless streak was 115 races. Also an absurd stat, he's 10th on the all-time win list with two over 50 race winless streaks. Wow. Listen, so I did a thing with Nate yesterday, and this was interesting. Um, and he had an interesting comment. Now, I've not seen it anywhere else, but Nate had this quote. And, and I'm, I'm not going to get it right, so I'm going to have to paraphrase it. Basically, Nate asked him if that played on his mind. You know, if that – did you ever think you weren't going to win again? Did you ever think that played – did that play on your mind? And he, and he told Nate, I came into this sport in the shadow of the death of Dale Earnhardt Sr. I got in his car with his crew, and I had to go out and run and perform. Mm. Everything from there is easy. Everything from there is easy. If I go for three years and don't win a race, if I go for 10 years, it's easy. Yeah. It's easy because he doesn't feel that because he had that much pressure on him in the very beginning. I found that amazing, but that's back to Kevin being strong too. Oh, yeah. he, he's just a strong person. I also wonder if you ask him that question 10 years after he's retired. Yeah. If he answers it the same, like right yeah, now no, no. you've got like, you have to have that confidence right, right now that I can still win. Yeah. But 10 years from now, he could say, it crept in there a little yeah. bit. Oh, yeah. Well, he's been in position to win races. He was in position yeah. to win Richmond. They had a terrible day on pit road, right? And the 11 car beat him. He's got a stronger team now. They've they've made the adjustments. And, you know, Kevin Harvick could win this championship. That, that's, those, those guys yeah. are, that's a strong team. Like, they're a stronger team right now than the 18. And everybody's going crazy because they don't know where Kyle's going to be. I mean, everybody's they're been writing Kevin Harvick off like he's yeah. washed up. So here, here's the thing. And Kevin said it. And, I, and really, I'd pay no attention to it. In position to win New Hampshire. He was running third or fourth at Pocono when Denny and, and Ross got together. Got okay. Not much at, at Indy, but I don't consider Kevin much of a road racer. You know, when yeah. you get into it, it's just not not been his forte. Uh, he's a good road racer, but he's not that, that level. And then he comes up there. Um, and I think if you look at that and you say, they're like Bubba. They were non-existent for the first 15, 20 races of the season. Last four or five races – They've showed up. I think that makes Kevin and that and Rodney an extremely dangerous team because nobody knows what they can do because you haven't yeah. seen. I know what Chase is going to do. Yeah. You know, I, I know what Denny's probably going to do. You know, you we've seen them. They've showed us their stuff. But that makes – and listen, you don't have to win in that first round. You don't really have to win in that second round. And if one thing Kevin and Rodney do, they're blue collar. They grind it out. Oh, yeah. they, they'll, they'll take a 15th place car and run ninth with it. You know, they'll play a ninth place car and run sixth with it. And they'll just point you, point you, point you, point you. And that's all you got to do in those first two rounds. Well, we're going to Darlington, Bristol. Yeah. What's the third track in the first Kansas. round? Chuck, Kansas. So, I mean, wins at all three yeah. of those places. And Fords are notoriously good at holding their, you know, keeping their cards close to their chest before the playoffs and being yeah. stronger in the playoffs. What was the season that, uh, you know, he, in the playoffs, he just was there and then he had the walk-off. Like, he, they dubbed it the walk-off oh, yeah. wins. Um 
It was a two. Dang, one championship, maybe. I don't know. Is that 14? 14, 15. Was it? Yeah, it was like 14. 14, Yeah, maybe. That car with the Budweiser can on the side was one of my all time. But it was just one of those things like you were counting them out and then boom, they got the win when they needed it. I got got an interesting question, KP, because you were through the transition of bias ply tires to radial tires. I feel like the change of the tires we had last year, the same ones Xfinity cars still race on, but the transition from those to the current tires we have are a similar step from bias plies because the yeah, t- sidewalls have less compliance yeah. with, the, with being shorter. How was the guys when that transition was in the, was early nineties? Terrible. But did the younger guys take to it quicker than quicker. the older guys? Yes. Yeah. Younger, the more, the, the, the more inexperienced drivers took to the radials quicker than the experienced drivers. Listen, Bill Elliott broke his wrist at Daytona. If you, if you guys remember, um, because you couldn't feel when a radial went flat because it, the sidewalls would hold, they were stiff enough that they would hold. And the for the centrifugal force would keep the, the belt spun. Right. Opened so it up. was up. Yeah. But as soon as you leaned on it, there was nothing in it. Right. And, and you couldn't tell when a tire went flat. And that was the problems with the radials to begin with. And the other thing was, and I go back to, to watching that race at, at Richmond last night, Earnhardt, Elliot, all those guys were used to running half hung out. Mm-hmm. So you're laying on that sidewall. You're laying on that right rear. You're lay, you're just smoking it, just smoking. You watch those old races at Darlington and Bristol, and they're just smoke a right rear all down, all night long, all night long. And here's the way that the, the Goodyear engineers explained it to us. The radials of the time with the sidewalls of that time were a single directional tire. Mm-hmm. They went that way. They couldn't go this way. Yeah. Where a bias ply, the way they were made, you could lean on them. So the bias, so the sidewall may be facing this way. Okay, that's an exaggeration. Right. But the tread was still, it was digging. It was digging. You couldn't do that with a bias, with with a radial. Right. And and there were a lot of guys that took themselves out of races. The same thing that we see with you guys. You're there, you're there, snap. Gone. It's gone. It's got, there's no, yeah. there's no catch. Yeah, it's a razor, razor edge of grip with the, with the way that's the a great fuser point, is. Man. And the, the tires are. So I don't think it's – I think it's so much as Harvick, like, he has 21 years of notes yep. off of current cup cars from Gen 4 to the one we have now. And it's him unlearning all the things that has made him 10th on the all-time win list to learn a completely different car. Where, on the flip side, Ty Gibbs don't know don't nothing know from nothing. Nothing. Right? He gets in there and hauls ass, yeah. and he's going to be – He's going to pick up the field yeah. quicker than what Kevin Harvick has to unlearn and then learn again. That's right. Here's what Kevin Harvick has learned, and he showed this weekend, though. Once he figures the car out, put him in a position where there's a restart. Bro. Yeah. Checkered flags in the way where you have to race him, and that racecraft, yes. putting himself Blood in position. Blood in the water. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Blood but in the, the water. But, and, but that, listen, for me, the king always had a saying. Kevin is a good example. Is there are drivers that can go fast, and there's drivers that can race. Yep. But there's fewer drivers that can race than drivers that can go fast. But if you find one that can do both, you got you something. You know what I mean? Kevin has a race craft. And Kevin's at an age, we, we talked this a minute ago, from when do you, an older driver, where do you get to that place? Older drivers, in a lot of ways, become pitchers. Okay? So, and what I mean by that is, so Ty Gibbs comes into the sport. Corey LaJoy comes into the sport. Man, they're throwing smoke. They got a 100-mile-an-hour fastball. They're throwing smoke. 
Well, Kevin, he's got a change up. I'm more he's of got a e- curve. I'm more of an ethos guy. Yeah, but like a, but like you know what I mean? But he's but he's got a change up. He's got a curve. Yeah. He's got a sinker. I mean, he's got a whole bag. Yeah. And he's, his fastball is only 89. 89. Yeah. It, but he's a pitcher. He's a pitcher, and he knows what to throw at you. Yeah. When he needs to throw that, and he knows what to throw at you. He, he and there's a difference. He doesn't just go all the time. He didn't throw Bubba fastball. No. <laughs> no. Right? Yeah. True. True. Yeah. Old savvy veteran. That's exactly. I mean, listen, and and you see it. And I go back to your dad because your dad was a hell of a race car driver. If you watch that and learn from that, then good on you if you're a young driver. If you watch that and don't take that away from it, then that's bad for you. Then you're off the list. You know what I mean? Because somebody is watching it. Somebody's watching it somewhere down the line. Man. What a conversation. We're going to hit pause on this. Make sure you guys stick around for the break. We're going to come back and break down Richmond, some Petting for Your Thoughts questions, and maybe a little facility season rumors with old Kyle Petty. Stick around. This is Stacking Pennies. Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Bite Clear Aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Bite Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot com. Start your confidence journey today with Byte. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Pit road boats and woes. Speaking of woes, get your tickets. Three car new leader in the clubhouse on the mechanics wear impact score for the year. So it's been between the one, the eighteen, and the three and has the been three, up there. The, the three, the nine was up there. They kind of faded. Um, the four car is coming on strong. Four car had a great weekend on pit road this weekend. Got them in victory lane. They are back in the top five. But uh, but yeah, the uh, the three car has just been so solid throughout these uh, summer races, and they're just doing everything right right now. And uh, see how that momentum carries into the playoffs. If they're not in the playoffs, see what they what they do with them. That'd be interesting. Mm, I mean, Austin Dillon's. Got he he's found a victory lane there in Daytona. So if there's only 15 winners, do not count that three team out of the playoffs. Oh, man, it was a rough it was a rough weekend for us to see the to see the four car. But we had a blue collar day. A lot of adjustments made it better, and and uh, and we're able to get up there in the end and finish uh, finish fifth. Not lose too many points to the 19 with not getting stage points. But you look at there's a there's a 19 point gap between the 12 and the 19. But that's just two stages now. You know, yeah. where before it was, you know, that you felt a little comfortable with that, but there's a lot of opportunities to gain or lose points with this new system. Well, especially going to Watkins Glen here, not this week, but next week, right? Opportunities to flip the stages. You can win two stages and get 20 points. Well, and then, you you know, you don't flip the stages and you keep yourself in position like we did and you get spun out 
in the last, you know, the last corner. So your whole day, you didn't get stage points mm. and you, and you got dumped, you know, on a green, white checkered. So it's tough, but what was the toughest, I think the biggest woe of the weekend was the 11 car for sure. What about it? Just the, the penalty they got there, they, they come to the left side and they're Where'd one he come the, down running? I think he was leading. Oh. And they're, they're one of the best teams on pit road. And that with how fast their car was, hell, you go out fifth there and still win the race. You just, you know, you just can't. Um, they're eighth in the mechanics impact school. Yeah, but they also lost their guys for four weeks. True. So as long as they're in the top 20 and they can they can stay in the hunt for the end of the year, $100,000 bonus, they, they are definitely ones to rec- to be reckoned with. But what they did is they came to the left side in the last stop, and Blake Houston had a little bit of a rough pull. And when he took it through the left rear off, Justin White, the gas man, did not kick it. Most of the time, the gas man kicks the tire. He did not kick it, and it took a bad roll into an opening behind them where I believe their engineer just walked out on pit road and grabbed it, and you can't cross that line. And with this new pro system, they're going to catch that every time. So, unfortunately, yes, it does say that it was their 31st penalty of the year. Those are not all pit crew penalties. That also includes when they crash or make an adjustment, send too many men over the wall, but that's still a lot of penalties. And, um, you know, for one of the fastest teams on pit road – you don't want to make those mistakes when you have a chance to win a race, for sure. Regardless of the outcome, a penalty is detrimental, whether it's driver-inflicted or team-afflicted. But certainly, if it's team-afflicted, you hate to see it. Dude, with a car that fast, he drove all the way back up to third from from last. And hey, Kudos to our buddy Ty Gibbs, speed and penalty. They also had a, a really heads-up play by their jackman where they didn't have the right rear on, and they, they left uh, Marcus Horton there, and they, they all, hey, we're not right. They went back to the right side, took their lumps, but Ty pretty frustrated with himself at the end of the day with having a speeding penalty. Still in the top 10. Pretty impressive. Ty Gibbs, first top 10 of many. Um, you guys know what I think about him and his abilities. I'm going to go ahead and say it right now, ladies and gentlemen. He's going to be driving the 18 car next year in the Cup Series. <laughs> go ahead and take her to the bank because he's certainly capable. He continues to get better each and every week. I'm glad that I didn't finish directly behind him this week because I finished the one spot behind him. Every week, now I would have loved to finish 11th, but I did not. Uh, I finished 2019. Did you see 19. the big fire on pit road? It I, was right next to us. I did. So, could we get into why though we saw a couple left front failures? So, I'm not exactly positive. They had a left front failure before the one where it started on fire. Right. So, what you see, what I think happened there, when you see a fire that big, you automatically think wheel bearing, just like you'd see like on mm-hmm. a trailer on the on the highway. So, yeah. being that he had a left front flat before that. I watched it. They just put the left, the next left front on. Yeah. So the rubber from the flat that you had before can sometimes get a, get wrapped around your hub, mm-hmm. even if it's a little bit, and you go back out on the track, and the friction causes heat. The heat causes fire, mm-hmm. and then your car is on fire because that was a that was a pretty big one next to us. I'm happy. I mean, I'm not happy. I'm surprised that Cole got it back to pit road, and it really. I wish you would have parked in the grass because it made our pit stall a mess for the rest of the day. Mm. So one thing in lieu of fire, unrelated, but the fire that the 17 car had last week where fuel got obviously a right side plug-in at Indy Road Course, NASCAR's already implemented changes to the exhaust cap. They put a bit of a shield over top of it so the fuel doesn't have a chance to get inside the pipe like it did at Indy and cause the same issue. So kudos to NASCAR for pushing that change along. Uh, So hopefully we don't see any more fires because fires, ladies and gentlemen, are not good. Why was there left front flats this week? Because people, man, that it's just the balance of too much camber and 
what's the easiest way to find grip? Take some air Take out. Take some air out. Yep. Take some air out because you are the the more sidewall flex you get with these next gen tires, the sidewalls are narrower or le- uh, shorter rather. And the more you can uh, lean on this and and the sidewall at where the tread meet, you just wear that sucker out. Um, so every two, I mean, it is noticeable from the driver's seat when we take two tenths of air, one pound of air pressure. Wow. Two tenths. I'm like, hey, what do we do there? Because the left rear is not really, really not gripping as good as it was. Well, we put two tenths of air in it. A big two thing tenths that, got like yeah. Like, and you could tell that from the driver's seat. So um, big so, thing. All of our guys saw this weekend that threw everybody for a loop. And our short track listeners, I get this only three millimeters of stagger in those things. Yeah. So that was our issue. We we didn't, I guess, get the updated sim model. So we were plowing all weekend. Uh, never really got ahead of it. So some of the Toyotas certainly did because not coincidence that Bubba Wallace did the tire test up there and it probably had the fastest car to racetrack. So it does help to get some track time, especially knowing the balance your car needs to be with that particular set of tires. Because generally speaking, all of our cars have between all the sets of tires, pretty much everywhere we've been, have been between 20 and 25 millimeters of stagger. This set had three millimeters of stagger. I don't know why they did that whether it was better for durability, whatever the case may be. Uh, but it made the cars generally way tighter and we couldn't get out in front of it. I want to go back to something you said about the fire with uh, Cole coming down on, on pit road. You said that it messed up your uh, box. What, when that happens, like what is like, what's going on there that affects y'all? So he was the, po- he was the box right in front of us or behind us. So Blaney would drive through his box to get to ours. So when they put that fire out, there's a lot of fluid, all the all the powder from the fire extinguisher, and it's all in their box. So then they tow the car away, and there's a big mess left. It's the same as like when a car blows up, and they pull in their pit stall and all the oil's on the ground. Now it's up to us to clean that up so Ryan doesn't drive through it and slide deep, or um, if it gets blown in our box and we step and slip and fall on it. So it's, it's pretty much up to you. NASCAR will help you out sometimes, but it's more or less up to you to get your box right. But they give you the opportunity to go and clean that up. Uh, you start working on it. Like if you watched, there was guys from our stall and the three the three crew out there working on it before the car was even gone. Because yes, they're not gonna just keep the pace car going and stop the show for you. So you got to get it get it up and right. Do you guys quickly. still spray Coke syrup? Yeah, yeah. A lot of people spray Coke syrup, BHT, the same stuff that like the traction compound that yeah. they use on the track, but. Just team dependent, what is your that Jackman a, wants. Okay, is that whose decision is, is to spray it, Jackman? More or less, yeah. Yeah. I uh, I was messing around with the jacks that our guys use. I got a Hendrick crew. Dude, those jacks they use are unbelievable. They're unbelievable. <laughs> like, and they're it's not like you better. go to AutoZone, Chuck. That like $35 when you get at AutoZone, the, the floor no, jack? Yeah. No, no. Dude, they've got this and that and shocks and springs and the handle carbon fiber it's unbelievable are they making them in-house or is there a i think company? it's 50 50 yeah i uh, think there's a couple companies pit viper brune hosel that make some and then there's a couple companies that make their own uh it's crazy man they're 20 pounds now and they you know go go out it's not your not your jack that you're getting from yeah like you said AutoZone and nope. and run around the car with so it's pretty it's pretty crazy like we mentioned earlier we never thought that a limiting factor in the pit stop is how fast the jack would drop, but that's how fast everybody's going now. Rocking and rolling. The 19 car averaged a 9.19? No. That, huh? no. 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 That, 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 was, that was wrong. Wrong. I think, they, I think they took one of their two tire stops and, and oh. averaged it in there. That would be like the best. Wrong. 
average ever happened, but the but the three car nine eight five. We're gonna give it to the three car this week. Mm. Um, and you see time starting to creep back down. Yeah, that summer lull is over. This week is gonna be huge because it's our last heavy pitting week. We only have Watkins Glen and Daytona left, and then we're Southern five hundred and we're off to the races. Ten weeks for a championship. Mm. What are the chances of the old twelve car? How how we're, nervous are you guys right now? Um, you do. A younger me would be nervous. A uh, 34-year-old me that's been doing this a long time is excited, right? You get to go every week with something to lose, and you want the ball in this situation. You want to be the guy that they go, hey, we want you to, to help us get our car in the playoffs. So we know the 19 is good here. So it's going to be a dogfight, and their pit crews have been great. So who better to go up against it than uh, than me and my boys? Mm-hmm. First, you and your boys. Let's go. That's it. Everything but the face, Chuck. Not in the face. No strikes to the face. And there it is. Pit road boats and woes. One last thing. Richmond's notorious for pit road speed and penalties. The way it's played out the last couple of years. Uh, a lot of green flag stops. Everybody loves some green flag stops at a short track, don't we? Wrong. But that's just how it works. And the way the pit road is, it's bent. And you're trying to maximize the speed, especially during a green flag stop. Could be the difference between standing a lead lap or losing a lead lap. So a lot of speed and penalties. Is there anything that you guys do different on the team side to help that? Uh, like in terms of pit road, like a, a pit stall selection. Yeah, I think, you know, they definitely have metrics on on where they want their pit stalls. And it used to be even worse years ago when there was uh, less timing lines. Like Matt Kenseth would be like the best at cheating the timing lines. But now but did it, you see what he did? I saw Marginal. what he did at Martinsville. So it hates anything. Yeah, <laughs> catchphrase. But, uh, but, but yeah, so the biggest thing for pit crews, like the rolling time, that's out of our control. The biggest thing for pickers here is the the boxes are from end to end short, but from the wall to your outer line are are really wide. So you want to jump off the wall and bust your ass to get out there. You'll be late to that right front. And you don't want to do that. Do not want to do so, that. So I think we need to get like any like NASCAR merch people that are listening right now to get the shirts that that say uh, Yeah, but did you see what he did at Martinsville? Made <laughs> hey. no pictures, but, just text. Hey, but he's a Hall of Famer. You gotta put some respect on the man's name. Now. Hey, I just said it. Be did you see what he did at Martinsville? I could be talking about People anybody. Would People would know. That if being you know, said, you know. I have a ring at my house with a 17 on it from Daytona 500 in 2007. But I'm gonna throw it out because I seen that shit he did in Martinsville. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned. More stacking pennies right after this. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring. The best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. 
and I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. Yeah, I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate, how a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word, Broomgate. Headed to Richmond, ladies and gentlemen, for the Federated Auto Parts 400 Sunday, 3 p.m. only on USA Joined by a Richmond winner himself. He was talking about the 86 Richmond race where Dale wow. wrecked Daryl. Uh, and you were. I was the, fifth. The beneficiary. I was, I was the beneficiary. Rutman wrecked and somebody. So listen, wait a minute. So Rutman wrecked and so did Bodine. So I saw that rundown last night and it was, I, I won. Um, God, I can't remember who runs. second. was a 7-Eleven yeah, car, wasn't it? Yes, yes. But Bobby Allison was in the top five. Um I mean, it was just nothing but legends in the top five, and I was the winner. And I'm like, how the heck did that happen? Hell you yeah. know, what, you know. What I, mean? I mean, that was cool looking, at, just watching that one piece last night to see who run in the top five. It's like I ran in the top five race with Bobby Allison. Gosh, man. And that was a seven car, right? That was a seven car. Right. Yeah, that was a seven. That was Sevens. good. Hell yeah, that was good, man. Rekindle, that was a seven car. Rekindle some magic. Not really quite racing related, but Richmond named the fourth track president Lori Warren, uh, first female president. In the 76-year history of Richmond. Wow. Uh, interested to to meet her this weekend as well. Uh, but what is it, KP, and I t- can talk about this uh, as well, but what makes Richmond so damn hard? You know, I think I think one thing that makes it hard is from the first time we went, from the old track to the new track, was they used part of the old track. They used that part of the backstretch. They used that coming out of turn two over there. Was it an and oval? You, it was, yeah, it was a perfect oval. Okay. You know what I mean? Not with the dog leg on the yeah. front stretch. So they use that part. So you know how two is, you go in and, and listen, one's a sucker corner. You feel like you can drive. Yeah. You until know, the corner yeah, starts going yeah, back. Until the, the corner way. turns out, you feel like you're in, you know, but yeah. then you get off in there and it's like, whoa, I got to get oh, back yeah. over here, you know? And then you come off that corner and where the old racetrack was, it just flattens. Yeah. It just, and if you're in the wrong place, it's like it shoves up. Yeah. Or if you're too low and you're, you, 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 knock the wedge out of the car, then you're sideways. Three, you know, it's as you just get in there and get back to the gas as quick as you can and work it up off the corner uh, as the way the old cars were. I don't know how these new cars are. So I'm fickle talking out my ass right now. So, uh, <laughs> but it's, when you look at it, it's just, you look at the racetrack and you think, oh, this is going to be easy. Yeah, it's going to be easy. This is going to be an easy yeah. one, man. But those corners are so inviting and, when the car feels like you can go back to the gas, it's so you just want to nail it and go back to the gas, mm-hmm. but you can't. It's still a, it's a, just a finesse, and and it's tough to have those patience for sure. I mean, but it'll be about twenty five laps into the show, you won't even be able to get to about three quarter throttle yeah. on the front straightaway. You're just just tipping into it. Who who's your all too all, all too soon pick? Who do you think is going to take it this week? Wow, that's tough, man. Here's what I so y'all were talking a minute ago about Blaney. And the, and the points. I will say this: if th- this is Kyle's opinion, if Truex doesn't win here, I was just about to say that. Damn it! You took my my <laughs> if, line. If he doesn't win here, he's out. He's out. He's out. Yeah, I agree. He's out. Dang it! You took sorry. It. 
I'm so sorry, wise dude. words. <laughs> yeah. Wise well, words, Tom Brady. <laughs> well, the tough part is like it's still not win or get in, and he's only 19 points back. So, yeah. like we said, 19 points is less than two stages. But I, I, I honestly, when I looked at it, I, I looked at at Blaney and I said, Blaney can win at one of these at these three racetracks. Yes. Truex can only win here. Yeah, I, for me, Truex can only win here. But if I, there's if if there's someone out of Gibbs that is going to win, Gibbs. At Richmond has just past ten years. It's unbelievable. They've yeah. won ten times. Yeah. So Penske, now, Penske though with the old car really strong here as yeah. well. It's the old car. Yep. Yeah, but so is the yeah, yeah. everything's the old everything's car. The old car now. Everything's yeah. the old yeah. car now. Yeah. If you want to go that route, everything's the old car. Yeah. Well, and obviously Denny won the first race there. Um, but look, look, so listen, we we had this conversation last night on Motor Mouse. And I, sorry, you weren't listening. Is is you get to Daytona, and it's Corey LaJoy. It's Ricky Stenhouse Jr. It's Bubba Wallace. Bubba Wallace. Wallace. It's Eric Almarola. Or any it's other top Eric Jones. Eric Jones. Listen, when you get there, it's all bets are off, dude. Michael yeah. So you, you got to make something happen. Look, I saw in, in these two races. When you've got when you can beat when you have to beat twelve guys. Yeah, as opposed that's right. To Twenty five. That's exactly. Dude, I right. saw a stat where without the penalty at Pocono, Eric Jones is eleventh in points. That's crazy, isn't it? Like that. Like everybody is strong. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's it's crazy when you look at it. I I'll say Kevin Harvick might go back to back here. But judging at how good his pit crew is right, right now, and how, wow. and they have momentum, and how good they were here last race, they were better than the eleven. The eleven I mean, just I, jumped. That's the I best just, thing y'all y'all need. That can I just point something out? With me, Kevin Harvick's got that look in his eye. Yeah, and you know the <laughs> one I'm talking about. That yeah. son of a <laughs> looks mean when he's yeah. locked in. Listen, when he he took his old hat and wiped his hair, and he was like, "You count us out." I, I see these people who count us out. That, yeah, it's, and like that, you're right. He's got that twinkle. That's a hibernating grizzly bear, ladies yeah. and gentlemen. Y'all just woke that son of a bitch up because he's going to try to win Richmond oh this God. weekend. Janie, we got some penny for your thoughts questions that KP's going to help us answer. What do we got? Our first question comes from Helmet Toss, and he wants to know what. It's the most fun race and or racetrack story from the early days. Like how some bands say most fun they've had was playing on a nearly empty bar. Oh, yeah. So I'm, I'm glad Kyle's here because he's got some great ones. But for me, uh, I think about like racing late models or something like with with your buddies. You don't know what you don't know. You're not doing it for any money. You're doing it just because you love it. You're working till midnight, one, two o'clock um, and just a sidebar story here i think just those days of like the grind days when i was running k&n it was a couple of high school buddies ryan and my buddy steve-o and i didn't realize now like those were the good old days yeah. right and like 10 years from now these are the good old days when you're grinding so one night we were working till two three four in the morning whatever it was and we get the we get the trailer loaded up and we're going to a test somewhere i said steve-o i was probably 17 18 i said steve-o when i make it buddy I'm going to buy his big thing with Subaru WRX. It's what he wanted, like the blue with the gold wheels. I said, buddy, when I make it, I'm going to buy you a Subaru, Subaru WRX. He was like, bet. Shook on it, right? You're you're committed at that point in time. Okay. So my first text after Atlanta, when I said, buddy, you don't know how damn close you were to <laughs> Subaru WRX. Ah, that's good, man. And uh, he's like, well, that was a long time ago. I want a center console boat. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, like, the, oh, that's good. The night that's yeah. good when we went to Concord Speedway with Beaver Dragon, and he was driving the 
Pro Challenge car. Yeah. And they bought that new long acre scale system. And oh. he, he was so tired, was... he was falling out of the seat, and he drove over that whole system. <laughs> and your dad destroyed it. Oh, my oh, God. Oh, did he really? Oh, he, dude. And, mm. you know, Randy had to pay for it. And the biggest Randy LaJoy asked you, and I've ever heard in my life. One of the top of the board. So, what would be one of yours? And you have actually played in some bands. So, yeah. Sorry. What would be what would be the <laughs> racing equivalent of like getting the, the racing band together back like oh before my you gosh, made it? man? Yeah, you, know, you know what? I, I tell you what, I was I was um, so in in the beginning, I worked with Mike Beam, um, and and Mike's brother Scott, and a bunch of us. Tony Glover, who worked over yeah. at and and Brad Hall, there were just five or six of us. Um, and so I'm going to tell you. So my my favorite time was we were. Um, this happened at Richmond. This is a good Richmond story. Yes. So we build this super light, man, cup car, and we're going to Richmond. We've cut the roll bars out. we got exhaust tubing in the right side door mm -hmm. bars. You know what I mean? Anything to take weight out. First thing I do is run out and spin this thing out and tear the nose off of it. <laughs> um, and so we call the Pontiac dealership. Okay? We need a nose. And, and remember, this, these are stock pieces. Yeah. So we're, we're, they don't have one. So we're all over town trying to find junkyard with this stock nose and, and it's a steel bumper. I mean, you know, yeah. cause that's what they had on these cars. Um, and, uh, we can't find it. We had a loaner car from the local Pontiac dealership and we sawzalled that stuff right off the front of this Pontiac <laughs> oh my and we God. stuck it on this race car. <laughs> we <laughs> stuck it on this race car. No joke, dude. We were at the racetrack at two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. Tell me you left on, the headlights in it. We'd. Knocked them out with glass. Knocked them out with um with a hammer to get the glass out of it, and just put a piece of aluminum over it. But that's the only way because we couldn't get it all out. But that was, those are the moments like you talk about, yeah. where it's just you're sitting around. It's twelve thirty, one o'clock in the morning. NASCAR is letting you work on your stuff in the infield, not in the garage area. We're in the infield. Yeah, we're eating pizza, we're drinking beer, yeah. and we're laughing our ass off. Yeah. And then you go out there the next day and you run like eleventh or twelfth, and it's like that was a lot of fun, man. Yeah, that, that was a lot. And that's when that's what racing. For me, when I started, and even though it was a couple of us like that, that's what racing's all about, man. It's the, it's the friends you make. It's the people that you, you oh, see the, as much as what goes the on. The bond you have with those guys oh, after yeah. doing that. Yeah, man, like, it's forever. Oh, yeah. Forever, dude. That's right. All right, question number two, Janie. That was a good one. Wise is throwing it back to your SummerSlam Pocono car, yep. and he wants to know what three historical NASCAR feuds or fights would you want to see have a rematch in a steel cage match? Oh, I love that. So, obviously, the fight, 1979 day, 2500, between tag team Donnie and Bobby Allison against who would be Kale's teammate? Ooh. Nobody. Ooh, Kale wouldn't need a teammate. <laughs> Kale didn't need a teammate that day, dude. Kale, yeah. to this day, I saw Kale last year, and Kale still doesn't need a teammate, man, not mm. with those two. Yeah, so Bobby and Donnie Allison would have yeah. to try, try to take on Kale in the cage. Uh, another one, uh, I, so I love the, the Tony Stewart, Matt Kenseth when he threw the helmet Going. at Bristol. Uh, actually, one of my favorite moments is like one of those things that just is burned in your brain. I was probably, this has been oh. One, two, so I probably eleven. I was up in the mo the MRO suite of Bristol, and that was when Greg Biffle moved Kevin Harvick in the Reese's Bush car, backs him in the fence. Greg Biffle wins. Harvick goes under around people, jumps over the deck lid, and grabs K Biffle by the collar. Yes. I thought that was a cool yeah. effort. Now, if that was a fight, Harvick would probably win hands. Yeah, down. but you know who Harvick might not beat up? Talking about Richmond, Ricky Rudd. 
Ooh. Ooh. Yes. All right. So I'd love to see, first off, Harvick and Biffle in the cage, but then the rooster comes out. Wow, man. That's yeah. uh, who do you think would take that one? Ricky Rudd was ready to fight that night. Yeah, they're they're like Ricky's probably still ready to fight. Yeah. Ricky Rudd is still ready to fight. That's I right. mountain bikes right. with him every that's three right. four weeks. That's right, man. There's one guy that's not on the Kevin Harvick Christmas card list, oh, and no, that man. guy's name's Ricky Rudd. I can wow. promise you that. Wow. <laughs> Yes. Those are good ones. I think a sleeper fight that would be a good one would be Tony Stewart, Robbie Gordon. Remember they got into it? Yeah. That would that could be a good prequel. Yeah. Man, yeah I, we could who who was, um, I think, I, I want to see a cage fight with, um, with, it was Childress, and who was Childress going after when he said, hold, hold my, my watch? Hold my watch, Kyle Busch. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want to see those two. Yeah. I want to see those two. Dude, I saw a picture um, of Carl Edwards this week. Nobody wants to fight that guy. Is he yoga? He's like a world jiu-jitsu champion right now. Oh, no way. Is oh, he? my God. And the people that messed with him. Like, talk about Martinsville, Matt Kenseth Martinsville. He'd have got the smoke. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No doubt. A lot of, lot of good matchups for the SummerSlam yeah. cage match. All right. Uh, one last question. What we got? Mick Rose asks, in 1996, Adrian Fernandez turned a 30.767 lap at Michigan. What would you bring to Michigan to try to beat that record? Uh, well, I was trying to think of what we were, we'd run third. Okay. So 30, 37, 80, 37, 70 was the pole. So seven seconds faster than that. That's probably averaging two forty somewhere in there. Uh, what would I bring to beat that record? A bag of popcorn and a, and a damn yard chair to watch yeah. somebody else try to beat it. Because I was, was going to say, I'd bring a younger driver. Yeah. I, I would bring my, uh, I would bring a nice blanket. And I would set it up on the grandstand wow, and let somebody try to take their hand at that. They could have it. Uh, but what an electrics. I mean, obviously, F1 car is probably the most tunable uh, car to try to do it. Um, yeah, and somebody, not not for me, because at the end of the day, I don't think that pays a whole lot. No. So that's that's what I got. So we asked two questions to all of our guests. Uh-oh. But we've had so much good stuff with you, I almost damn forgot, okay. KP. All right. Number one, what's the most embarrassed you've ever been at the racetrack? Whether it's in the car out of the car. Okay, so probably the most embarrassed I've ever been is so I wrecked at Talladega. Had a compound fracture in my left femur. Okay? Yikes. And um so they take me into the infield care center and I had on a white uniform. And so um, they lay me on the on the thing there and the nurses are there. There's three or four nurses, there's a doctor and they're like we're going to cut your uniform off. And I'm like don't cut my uniform off. You're not wearing drawers. No drawers. No drawers. <laughs> Buck ass naked. Buck ass naked. They rip it and I'm like <laughs> Nope. That's all you got, dude. That's yeah. all I got right there. Two, a, two bones. I, I got two out. bones sticking up right here, right here. You know what I mean? I got two. Sorry, sorry. I know this is not PC. I apologize, but there, there. Take one, take one. Yeah. So that's probably it. That's probably it. And then, all right. Love that answer. Um, question number two: If you had to pick one race car and one racetrack to race at the rest of your life, what do you go with? Oh my gosh, man, that's a simple one. Um, think about it. Uh, the only place I could ever win a race was with that Mellow Yellow car at Rockingham. Um, and that's, that's just, man, we fell into something there that was just magical yeah. and man, man for like five races. I, I, listen, I all but lapped the field on seven cylinders, um, with one of them and, and, and lost that race because they had so many cautions. You couldn't get going on a restart. You know what I mean? Yeah. But 50 laps into a run, you were the all fastest man. car on a racetrack. So, um, I'd say Rockingham with the mellow yellow car. 
What year would that have been? That'd been 92, 93, right along in there. It wouldn't be a bass boat at Bar- Darlington? No. Listen, they, yeah. that stadium bass fishing is still the greatest yeah. thing in the world. <laughs> I'm telling you, think about it, man. Think, you fill that up, you fill the grandstands up, there's people yeah, out there yeah. fishing. Whew, that's all that place is good for. Man. <laughs> that's all that place is good for. I've left there many a night just thinking about... I wish that place was a stadium bass. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, when they used to have t-shirts. They used to have shirts that said "Too tough to tame," and I got so pissed off at the place. I had t-shirts printed up that said "Too cheap to pay," uh, and, and, wore, and wore them for a long time. Man, they get mad at me every time I'd show up with them because I'm like, "Just pave the place, man. Just pave it." Hey, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask. Are you getting a cut off that t-shirt, the Dirty Mo movie? Oh yes, we are, man. Yeah. He put me in on that deal. I, I'm like, uh, he he was he was like, you know, I said this, and I'm like, I'm good. Yeah, and he's like. Are you okay? I'm like, come on, dude. I'm yeah. good. I, that Send it to stuff the stuff like that doesn't bother me. You know, it's that's water off a duck's back. So he's like, we're gonna make a t-shirt. I said, I'm even better. Just yeah. send me a couple of them. He said, I'll send you a couple of them, and we'll we'll work something out. I said, I'm good, dude. That's so a, it's dude. fun. It's I'm funny. glad you said that 42 Melly Yellow car. Oh, that's a good one. That like that is my childhood. Yeah. Like I had that model made. <laughs> like I made the model, yeah. and I drank so much Mountain Dew. Like that yeah. was that was my. That's car. it, man. Yeah, that's yeah, it. Yeah, that's it, dude. And a couple of years ago, we got to recreate that when Kyle Larson. Oh, uh, that that was great, man. Yeah, yeah. That that car looked great, man. It, it was freaking amazing. Yeah, the wig man. and everything. It yeah. was cool. Yeah, yeah. I, don't, you know, I wouldn't even need a wig. But it, I'd have, it, it's crazy, and you do a though. lot. You do a lot, and I know we're, we got to get off here. But you do a lot with your paint schemes and stuff. I am still fascinated by that era that you can go back and paint any car with the paint schemes that Earnhardt had, that Daryl Waltrip had, that Ricky Rudd had, that Bill Elliott, and they look as good today as they looked oh, then. For it's, sure. it's a crazy area era in the sport when the when the designs uh, were pretty cool stuff. No. Doubt. All yep. right. Last but not least, we've got two great penny stackers of the week. Declan Dunlop, 11 years old from Pittsburgh. Got to meet him uh, in the garage area at Michigan. Chop it up with him a little bit. Huge NASCAR fan. Uh, knew about every stat there was to know from about the time uh, he was, I don't know, 2017. So he was probably six or seven. Uh, his twin sister uh, was in and out of the hospital with leukemia. Uh, so he just fixated on NASCAR, knew every knew who my teammate was when I was doing a partial wow. partial schedule at TriStar, like knew every stat there was to know, winners, where I finished, everywhere in between. So he told me to give him uh, a shout out for his YouTube channel, NASCAR Fan Forever 14. Go check that out. My man Declan, all the NASCAR facts you need to know. You serve the penny sack of the week, but also one more from Michigan, Mrs. Patty. There's really and truly not a very good restroom to take a dump at in Michigan. So there's this one little way that I go up to the suites. Uh, there's a gate guard there. Her name is Patty. Uh, and I have <clears throat> since befriended Patty every time I walk by. Yeah. We chop it up. She's 84 years old. Um, and since my first time there in Michigan seven years ago, we have made a friendship. I always say hi, talk for a couple minutes, ask her how knitting's going, ask her what latest cheese is her favorite one, and we talk about all the things you'd like to expect an 84-year-old. New cheeses? Yeah. She offered me some cheese this okay. past weekend. I politely politely declined. But this time, when the first time I saw her this weekend, she was pumped up that I happened to walk by her at this particular time because she knitted me a toboggan. Oh, no way, man. Two of them. That is so cool. A black cool. one with a white stripe. That is and so a white cool. One with a black stripe. So Betty, I appreciate you. Wow. Uh, not Betty. Patty, uh, I appreciate you knitting uh, two hats for me. And that was her last race as a gate guard. So no way. she retired. I can sure. have her as a fan. Next yeah, year. that's so cool, man. Patty, that I appreciate really cool. you. You also were the penny sack of the week. And you guys, listen to this. I hope you enjoyed as much as I did having Kyle Petty on the show. 
Uh, what a great episode. A lot of great stuff. Make sure you go get Swerve or Die at any bookstore near you. And it might be signed. It might be signed, man. Did I sign. read that you're going to do an audio book of it, too? Oh, I did an audio you book. You did an audio yeah, book? That's, that's the hardest thing I've ever done. No, no joke. To stand in a room and read that book. Uh, it reminded me of being in the third grade and having to stand in the closet and and read to the teacher because I, I hated school, man. I hated school. But you know what? Listening to the stories that you were telling yeah. earlier in the show, like <laughs> I'd listen to the audiobook. Yeah, yes. yes. I did the audiobook. So, yes, no doubt. it's there. But, all right, guys, as always, like, star, review, all the good things so we keep this thing on the road. And we will talk to you all next week. There will be a spare change episode this weekend. Make sure you tune into that. And, as always, thank you for stacking pennies. <laughs>